count money, man. Money, Stack man. riches. Try and told, try and told him I'm a beast, bud. What's up, gang? Welcome to the broadcast. Simon Arias here. Get ready, it's a new day. What's up, gang? Welcome back to another episode of the Grindcast. And I got my man, D Tolls, Mr. Derek Tolls, here with me today. Thanks for joining us. What's up, baby? So, um, you know, let me start off with um, how <clears throat> Derek and I met, a little bit of background on, on Derek. So, um, you know, we met but didn't really meet first on the football field. Uh, you were a senior at Warren Harding. Mm -hmm. uh, I was a sophomore at Ursland. And uh, so Derek, you know, played football at Warren Harding uh, in outside of Youngstown, Ohio. Ended up uh, ended up doing extremely well in that sport. Went on to play at Penn State, where he was a, a captain on the defense at linebacker. We'll talk a little bit about that, and then played a few years in the in the NFL. So as I start to have a little bit of uh, business success, you know, I'm pulled to do something for my hometown. So I'm looking and saying, who's doing what in Youngstown, that area, and your name keeps popping up. Derek's name, you know, keeps popping up. And so, I, you know, one day I invited, you know, Derek to come, and, and uh, you know, I think we had an hour, you know, set for a meeting, and yep. we end up vibing so well, you know, before we knew it, I think it was, you know, five hours, four, yep. four five, six hours later. And, um, you know, so I would – start to financially con contribute to Inspire Minds Warren. I go visit the program and fell in love with it. So I asked Derek, you know, how come we don't have something like this in Youngstown? Mm -hmm. And I remember he said, man, I don't have somebody that want to do the work and uh, champion this thing and get it started in, in Youngstown. And so we started from the ground up. That's right. Meeting at the, uh, talking to all the people for six months yep. in, in the area or so and going to the, Poland Rotary Club yep. and all over the pounding place. the pavement, yep. you know, together, putting in, putting in that work. And uh, so since then, um, we opened up Inspire Mind Junkstown. Uh, I think we're going on year five yep. coming up. Um, also, you've opened up in Philadelphia yes. area and anywhere else yet? Uh, New York City. New York City. Yep, in Brooklyn. I'm right nice behind time. you. I'm coming in a couple months. Come on. So we got another, Let's go. another reason to hit the road together. Yeah. So, uh, so that's kind of our background, uh, how we got connected and in, in, uh, in united. And uh, so what I'd like to do is just let's start off with a little bit about you, you know, Derek. Tell them a little, little bit about your background, you know, where you're from, how that all came about, you know, your, your story. Absolutely. Um, so, you know, I started out like a lot of my kids. You know, I'm unfortunately both my parents were on drugs. Um, my father wasn't around. Uh, I had a younger brother and sister and... Um, you know, we had a crazy situation. I was actually in Columbus, Ohio. Um, being young, probably by the time I was in the fourth grade, I felt like this sense of responsibility, you know, to take care of them. But at the same time, in doing that, I really neglected myself. Um, I grew up super angry, uh, low self-esteem. I uh, wasn't really sure, you know, what my future was going to hold. Uh, I was just really more worried about the day um, and worried about my siblings. Uh, got in some crazy situations and um, just running around the streets um, with no guidance. And um, by the time I got to the eighth grade, I was ineligible to play sports. I remember having all F's and D's on my report card. And I think at that moment, really realized how my lifestyle and the things I was dealing with really was affecting me. Um, crazy situation happened at home. And that's how I ended up in Warren, Ohio, back with my grandmother. My family is actually from Warren. Nice to always be every holiday, every every summer. Um so I end up going there, um, you know, and a lot of people think that's when all the positive things happen. But at the same time, I was I was rejected by a lot of people, even people in my family. And uh, they didn't want me around their kids. They didn't want me in their household, you know, um, and that weighed on me. I had a chip on my shoulder. And um, the reality was I was just a little 12, 13 year old kid who just needed help, just needed somebody to say what's going on. Um, and this ain't going to last forever. Uh, end up falling in love with football. Um, had a coach that kicked me in the tail, told me I was worth something. Um, and then all the opportunities opened up and, uh, um, I end up the same kid that was ineligible, end up having a three, nine, eight GPA, you know, in high school, end up getting college scholarships from every college in the country. And, and that's where my life kind of took off from there. Um, so yeah, I was blessed to get all the fo football accolades and all that stuff. But for me, it was making it through, you know, those trials and tribulations. What do you think? 
you know, moving from the transition from childhood into, you know, going from a, one city, Columbus, mm. to another city, Warren. Yeah. Uh, different environment, different people you didn't know, starting at a new school. Yeah. Um, tell me about what you what you learned in that process, you know, that made you who you are today. Uh, what did you pull good from it? You yeah. Know, what, what were some of the obstacles? How'd you overcome that? So I think, I think our lives, and it, you know, my life, your life, our kids' lives, to me, it's almost like a supply chain. So if you think of how a car is built, um, it starts out as the frame, right? And we grew up in Steel Valley. So you think about General Motors. It started out as the frame. And then as it's moving down the, down the line, people add on the doors. And the next thing you know, they paint. the next group might paint the car. The next group puts the windshield wipers on it. And then it gets to a point where you start putting the finishing touches and the details. And I think my whole life has been like that. Um, throughout my life, there's been people who have invested in me at different parts of time. It could have been a ride. It could have been me on a mission to go do something stupid and the right person got in the way and stopped me. Um, it could have been me being, uh, being about to react a certain way and seeing my younger brothers and sister who impacted me all the way to a coach, you know, who impacted me and again told me I was worth something, which helped catapult me, you know, into that next level. So my whole life has been like that. So you mentioned the anger you know, that you had this internal anger, mm. you know, from some of this stuff, you know, and I, I know, you know, I had the same similar, similar, uh, feelings, situations, and, yeah. and I would take it out on the football field. And, mm. You know, you, you played aggressive on the football field. Right. What, what, um, you know, how, it, how did you deal with that internally yeah. without getting, you know, with that anger and ending up with almost a 4.0 and yeah. never really major, uh, issues, yeah. especially the latter half of, of high school, you know, how, what did you do to, you know, internalize that or mm -hmm. handle that anger? So I think when I think about that anger, um, I think it came from a uh, from being in survival mode. And I think when you're in survival mode as a person, like you can't even think about anything that's positive. Like you can't see past tomorrow. And the reality is that anything that's around you that you don't feel um, can benefit you. You know, most people is like, F that. And like, I don't want nothing to do with it. So I think that when I, it came, it came to a point where I learned that my life was of value. When I began to have the person who came and told me I was worth something. When I opened that box of letters for the first time and I saw like, I had an opportunity to go to college and be something, which is when I felt my first sense of, uh, of worth and I realized I was actually worth something. And that's when I was like, okay, my behavior and my mindset has to change because I do finally can see a future. So then you transition out of high school and, and you go to college. Yep. Uh, talk to us about that transition. I think transitional periods are, are huge. That's yeah. where people, you know, in sports transition and you know, that's where people get lost. In life, you know, yep. transitional periods, people get lost. Mm -hmm. uh, tell me about the transition from, you know, high school to college uh both as a student and uh as a student athlete and in a different environment you know going from the city right. to the city to mm. state college pennsylvania yeah it was different it was so different and i think uh transition is can be tough um you know state college pennsylvania was my world upside down and inside out um the demographics were different you know the the people were different um so it was it it was it was tough. I, I think there was some good things to it. Like I didn't have to worry about my safety. I didn't have to worry about where my next meal was coming from, you know. So that was the great thing. But some of the tough things were I now wasn't sure who I could relate to outside of people in the football program, you know. And so I was growing up and trying to mature and learn things, but I was like, yo, this is a totally different environment, you know. Um but I but I, but but as I grew older and I was there long enough um, I learned to embrace change and I learned to embrace things that are different um, because I had to learn that it had to add to me. And I think so often um, when we get in a different environment, we think we have to change. And you'll hear people say, oh, he changed or he's different. I don't think we need to change. I think we just need to continue to add to who we are. So I could still wear my hat cocked to the side, whatever. But at the same time, I learned how to put a suit on. You know, because Joe Paterno was like, you got to do this way and we travel this way. I learned how to talk to my boys and my homies at home on the block. But at the same time, I also learned to talk to sponsors and other parents and other people who were there. So 
Penn State just added to my life, you know, and I and I think just made me a bigger a bigger person, you know, emotionally and internally. Sounds like it impacted you a lot, you yeah. know, just based on those things. Um, what what things? How did it go the first few years of of playing ball there? You know, mm. were you were you redshirted? You know, were you playing the same position? Yeah. You know, how did all of that work? So I I got switched the very first day I showed up. They told me I was playing running back. The very first day I got there, I was playing corner, and I had never played a day of corner in my life. Um, in high school, I played running back and linebacker. My senior year, I played running back and safety. Um, so corner was totally new. And uh, so, again, it was another uh, lesson in how to embrace change. You know, where was the opportunity at um, and trying new things? So I ended up playing corner. I ended up playing safety all to end up at linebacker. Right. And through all those transition and tough times and not understanding why they were doing that to me. And I felt, oh, you lied to me. and You ain't telling me the truth. Once I landed at linebacker, I knew the entire defense because I had played it all. So I understood in cover two, I understood why I didn't have to get to the flat because I knew the corner was coming down. You know, I knew why in cover three, I had to get to a certain part of the field because there was a safety in the middle. So I, you know, so there was, I knew all of those things and where everybody was supposed to be. So I think in change and transition, if we can learn to embrace that. What an example of life. Come on. Just benefit you. Thank you. Yeah. You, you end know, up understanding where everybody is at. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Exactly. Great, yep. great example. So so you, was that your freshman year? All of that happened the freshman? That was Yeah, that was freshman really year? freshman and sophomore year. Okay. You know, um, red shirt it? I did. So my true freshman year, I did red shirt. Okay. I did red shirt. Um, and they kept me at, they put me at scout team running back. So I didn't play running back all year. And then they put me at running back uh, to get beat up on, you know, by the number one defense in the country. Um, so I took my licks. And uh, and then spring ball came. I ended up playing. Uh, I did play linebacker. Um, then the following season came and they put me back at safety um, going into my red shirt freshman year. Um, probably about week six or seven. I remember we were playing Ohio State and that's how I ended back up at linebacker. As a red shirt freshman. As a red shirt freshman. All right. Yeah. So then you, you stayed at linebacker. Yes. From there. I did. Graduated, you know, all four years. Yeah. At what point were you a captain? Um, my senior year. Okay. Yep, going into my senior year, um, I got voted captain. Why do you think, what do you think your teammates would say as to why you had a C on your chest? Yeah, um, I think that, uh, you know, in leadership, it's really uh, being an example of, of, of the culture and what you want to see your team at. So I had medical issues. I had been injured. There's a lot of things that had happened to me, uh, but I always kept grinding. You know, um, there was never a moment where I wasn't always giving my all. Um, they knew I was fearless. Um, and again, I don't think that when they, even when we say that word, just to be clear, I don't believe it. Like being fearless means that you don't get scared. It just means you ain't scared to be scared. You know, when you work through those things. So they knew that about me and they knew I was willing to do anything and everything for the team. Um, so I did. I took care of a lot of people. I was tried. I tried to be there through, for people when they was going through things. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think my teammates respected that. Love it. So work ethic, yeah. leading by example. Absolutely. Showing care for for uh, for your teammates yeah. and uh, serving others. Absolutely. And holding them accountable. That's a big thing. You know big what I mean? Time. Because a lot of people do things and, they, and when you don't check them, they lose respect for you. You know, holding people accountable and disciplining them is actually truly love. Yep. You know, that big shows time. you care because you want them to go in the right direction. So Truth. that's a part of it as well. Truth. Truth. Living it every day. Yeah. Um, so then we transitioned out of college. Mm. And how did that happen? You ended up, you know, playing a couple years in the NFL. How did yeah. that happen? How did that call happen? What yeah. happened? So here's a reality. I thought my college career was over. I actually got diagnosed with a, a medical illness. Uh, it's called rippling muscle disease. I had this enzyme deficiency. So I thought by college I was done. I actually, They actually told me my freshman year that I, I couldn't play football no more. So that was a huge hit for me. Um, but I ended up met, you know, getting with some medical staff and specialists who helped me work through that process. So even by my senior year, I still was only playing a quarter of the game. You know, I think I was only playing 20, 20 to 25 plays a game. So when I got in, I just tried to make an impact with the opportunities that I had. So when I got the call that I was able to play an all-star game and I ended up playing another all-star game because I did well in that one. And then I went to the NFL combine, you know, and I had agents call and I was shocked. Because I was always connected to this medical issue. I thought I was more of a liability. Mm -hmm. So I ended up um, 
choosing an agent, went through that process. And, um, and then I ended up signing a free agent deal. I wasn't a, you know, big time guy because of my, my limited, my liabilities. They told me you'll be a late rounder to a priority free agent. And that's where I failed to a priority free agent. Um, I probably had about eight teams that were interested in me just because they played my style of ball. I was a small linebacker. I was fast. I would hit people. Um, so I had about eight teams that were interested. And um, luckily, I got a chance to go interview with a couple. And I chose what at the time I felt was the best for me. And I ended up signing with the Atlanta Falcons. Um, so I went from there. Um, after preseason was over, I ended up getting cut as they were getting a um, practice, squad, ro- pra- practice squad rosters together. They had asked me to play fullback. And I was like, I ain't know about that because I had just went through this in college. So I came from running back, got moved, and I was like, you know what? I'm going to stand up for myself this time. So I was like, nah, I'm cool. So I left. I ended up in Cleveland with the Browns. And um, so I was there the rest of the season. Um, the coaching staff got fired. That was when Butch Davis, the guy from Miami, was there. They fired the whole staff. Uh, Robisky took over. And then at the end of the season. Yeah, my Browns. You remember that? They always right? Always staff. going through something, right? <laughs> Um, so all that happened. Um, they left at the end of the season. Everybody left. Um, and my and then the Colts had called my agent and said, hey, what's going on with Toes? We want to bring him on in the playoffs and sign him. So I went to my to the coach at the Browns, told him, you know, what should I do? And he was like, look, he said, look, Derek, he said, you're a young player. You got a bright future. We don't even know we're going to be here next week. He said, if you got an opportunity, take it. So I left and I was there. And uh, I'll tell you what, man. Um, I don't know if you ever played Madden, but uh, of course you play Madden. Got to play Madden. So do you remember? Not anymore, but I used to. Right back in the day, right? You remember when you used to be able to like uh, set the weather patterns and all that stuff. So um, I'll just give you a quick glimpse. <clears throat> so my first week in Indianapolis, um, it's probably about eight o'clock at night. Um, we're in Gillette Stadium, and uh, the snow is coming down. It's loud. You can't hear. The lights is on. And I look out on the field and I see Tom Brady. And then I look to the right of me and I see Peyton Manning warming up. And it was at that moment I began to think about everything I had been through, you know, as a young kid, everything I had went through in high school and college, you know. And I think that was the moment where I was like, wow, like I really made it out of my situation. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, so again, it meant the world to me um, just to know where I had come from and just to see my name even mentioned you right. know, with some NFL. Who would have ever thought? You know with I mean? the health issues. And with everything. Everything that's else. That's the stuff a lot that people no just, doubt. yeah, a lot that people don't know. Yep. You know, um, I almost died plenty of times, man, you know, and this stuff I still deal with to this day. But um, just to know. You know, I made it. I made it through all of that. Um, you know, it was a blessing, man. So, so out of that, you know, forges the character. One hundred percent. And and so now you start to at that point you end up transitioning after a while mm-hmm. into working with kids. Yeah. Which at you know I wasn't inspiring minds at the time. It was you helping people at McDonald's or something. Absolutely. Right? This yeah. Is so how I we got, got started. Yeah. So I got hurt my second year. So going to the following year, I ended up getting injured. Boom, tore my hips up. Surgery, messed up my first surgery. I had to come back and get another one. After my second one, I asked if I can come home and get therapy because I know I had some a group there that would tell me the truth and be honest with me. So while I was there, a lot of the kids would always come up to me and they knew me from the block. Like, yo, they knew my background, my life. They watched me grow up. And they would always ask me what it was like playing in the NFL, playing next to Michael Vick or Peyton Manning. And I remember going, man, like, it's so much bigger than what you see on TV. But I know if I can make it out of this mess, I know you can too. So a few parents came up and said, hey, will you talk to my kids, you know? So, I, yeah, I started out. Meet Whenever I was in town, I would meet with them once a month in McDonald's. And it was about four kids. And we would just talk about life for an hour. And then went to two hours, and I started telling them bring their homework with them for the first hour. And then we just talk about life for the second hour. Next thing you know, they start bringing their uh, siblings and cousins and friends. And one day, one of the kids said, yo, D, I want to go to college. Can you help me? And that's when I knew we had something. Love it. Yep. All right. So then from there, you uh, how did you come up with the name? Yeah. What, what did you where did you go from there? From so doing when I was when I was uh, on the therapy table, I had to go to therapy eight hours a day. And at the end of every session, they would do ultrasound on my hips where I had my scars. And I remember thinking about all the things in my life, you know, that saying, I wish I knew back then what I know now. Mm-hmm. 
So I thought about all the negative things that happened in my life and all the positive things that happened in my life. And then I began to think about things that if I had at that time, maybe there were some different decisions I would have made, which could have made my life a lot easier. So everything from trying to do my homework when I finally was trying to get my grades back together and nobody there to help me. I was like, man, what if there was a place that would help kids with their homework? Um, I remember stealing food from a local uh, store. Not to be tough, not to be cool. I was just trying to take food to the crib. And I thought, man, what if there was a place that would serve kids food so that they wouldn't get in those stupid situations, you know? And then lastly, I remember uh, when I was in high school, it was probably third or fourth period, all the college coaches used to come through for recruiting. And a lot of the kids in my class envied me. They didn't realize I was scared to death. I was 16 years old. like, And I had all these big time coaches telling me I should come to their school, whatever. Reality was I had nobody around me who had been through that experience. Um, so I didn't know which direction to go. So I said, man, what if there was a program that would put young kids feet on college campuses and in different companies so they can. So by the time they graduate, they know exactly where they want to go and what they want to be. And as I look back down through my notes, I was like, man, what are you doing? It's like, you know what? You're inspiring their mind. And that's how the name came. So that was how long? How long has it been now? Twelve years, 13 years, 12, 13, 13, 13 years. years. Yeah. And uh, what were some of the obstacles building? You know, I, I think, you know, I was, you know, I tell people all the time, you know, when I first got involved, if I would have known yeah. what it was going to take, yeah. I might have scared myself out yeah. of it, you know. Yeah, and and uh, so I know what it I know what it takes. I know what it's taken on my end. I, I can only imagine, you know, what it yeah. what it took on your end. So what what um, what obstacles or, you know, what things do you think people can grab from? Because I think there's a lot of people out there that whether it's a business mm -hmm. or a, or a nonprofit, Absolutely. you know, it sounds good Absolutely. helping kids. Absolutely. You know, those programs come and they go. Absolutely. Because you know, it's a good idea. Yeah. And then reality happens. Facts. Facts. So so talk to me about that. Well, I'm going to give you the number one thing that you got to deal with, no matter who you are, no matter what business you get into. We got to realize that people invest in people. So even when you hire someone, you're believing in that person more than you are their resume and their skill, right? So the first thing you have to do is to get people to truly believe you and like you. So one of the hardest parts for me personally was to get people to understand that I was serious. Like I wasn't just a football player that doing this and Same doing it wasn't yeah. that I was more than that. So I had to get people to understand at the time I still had a couple muscles. I had my locks, you know, and all that. I had to get people to understand that I'm more than just a football player. Like I'm actually smart, you know, and I actually do care about my community. And I had to get them to truly believe that I was trying to do what I was trying to do. Um, the second thing was, I think, was emotionally. I had to figure out how to deal with things emotionally. I thought that just because you was doing something good, everybody was going to be down. Right. And you had to learn that, right? You thought, hey, I'm doing something positive. Everybody going to be on board. It's going to be easy to get donations. Like, I felt the same way. All my homies, all the people that was close to me who wouldn't even purchase a ticket or wouldn't even show up to an event or wouldn't buy an ad or wouldn't donate anything, you know? So that took a lot as well. Um, and also understanding the battles that I still had to fight. And then, the, you know, the third thing was just professionally. I had to develop. I didn't know what I was doing. It's not like I had a mentor or someone who was doing it. I was walking me through. There's no book on this thing, you know. So I learned a lot um, how to deal with people, um, how to handle um, budgets and build a budget, how to write grants, marketing, PR, all the same thing that's in any um, for-profit business. I had to learn through trial and error and, and bumping my head. Can you can you think of any breaking points, you know, any points where 100%. You, know, you have a, a crossroads and you – make it through you yeah. know or mentally i don't know how i was going to get out of that one and i you know i made it made it through uh can you grab one or two of those and uh talk about how we got through those my goodness man i mean reality is this like i can't sit here in front and act like i ain't been ready to quit before it's a fact and i think that i think some so many people feel like just because you see somebody that's successful like they ride was smooth the reality is the most successful people that you have ever met have failed the most. Truth. It's just they kept getting back up. Truth. And that's the only thing Truth. that folks that who are successful, that's the trait that they possess. Amen. It's just they didn't give up. Amen. You know? Amen. So, so again, I, I, there were times where I was like, I don't know if I can keep doing this financially. 
I don't know if I can keep doing this with my heart and my emotion. I don't know if I can keep doing, you know, because it was tough. Um, so, yeah, I can think of I can think of being being with uh, partnering with people and then getting backstabbed. You know, I could think of uh, people who was close to me who stole from me, you know, um, which still trips me out to this day. You know, I could think of. um you know, folks who said they was going to support us in certain ways and who didn't, you know, and then I can think of now professionally, you know, now you got to deal with the lawsuits and the, this, like all the stuff that just comes with that, um, that you would think that your mission and what you're trying to accomplish is so much bigger than that. Uh, it was real. So, yeah, you've lost lost some friendships, lost some relationships, like lost all of that. That was that was tough. That's part of the game. It's part I, of it. I, I think, uh, you know, success leaves clues. Yeah no matter what the game is, you know, like you're mentioning, whatever the game is, right. a lot of those same rules are going to apply, mm -hmm. you know, whether it's losing friends, being backstabbed, being mm -hmm. at a point of, uh, I'm going to, I can quit break. Yep. I don't know how much longer I can handle Absolutely. this, whether it's mentally, financially, mm -hmm. uh, being let down from people that mm -hmm. don't have your back, right. you know, probably been through situations where you got people driving four or five, six hours to yep. be there to support you Absolutely. and somebody that won't come four or five minutes to Facts. support you. Facts. That was supposed to be your dog, Facts. you know, type deal. Facts. And uh, so why do you think people, you know, break and others break through? Yeah. You know, what do you think that? I think it all comes, I think it comes with your ex, your level of expectations. I think we all got to check ourselves when it comes to our expectations. And I think that when the expectation is, um, it's going to be easy when the expectation is because I'm doing something good or I'm fine. Check this out. You could be someone who used to be involved in some of the wrong things. And now you're doing something right finally. And you think that just because now I'm doing something right, it's all supposed to work out that mentality. Yeah. It's going to cost you to break. We got to get back to reality and realize that no matter what it is you're doing, you go go through trials and tribulations and we got to learn to embrace that. So I think the people who've been able to break through have learned to embrace it and actually look forward to it. So whether you in the gym and you going through a time where you can't get that bench up or that squat, you know, or you just run 10 miles and you sore. Like if you think that if you think you're going to stop just because you're sore this time and not run through that sort, it's like you ain't going to never get better. You never go reach that end goal, which might be to get to 15 miles the same thing in business amen um anything stand out for, give us some of the successes you know of the program the yeah. kids uh some things that stand out yeah. you know that have been accomplished through inspire minds mm. um you know and as we transition to that maybe there's things that people can pull yeah. you know from from some of those examples yeah um number one is so far 100% of our high school kids that's come through our program has graduated from high school. I think that's huge. And 80% um, are going to college. About 12% are going into the military. About 8% are going right into the workforce. Um, so we're super proud of that. Um, I remember young people who couldn't read when they came into our program. And then they end up going and getting working on their master's and studying molecular neuroscience. Um, I remember a young girl who was in our program came in super shy, wasn't sure what she was going to do, um, comes in our program, graduates, goes off to college, comes back, work for us in the summer and now runs our high school program, you know? Um, so her perspective, you know, she gets on a whole different level. And as far as the way she can impact our kids, like she better than me because she actually came from the program, you know? Um, and most recently, us being able to start chapters, you know, as a as a business and as a model, um, it's hard to duplicate. You know that, you know, trying to find people that have pieces of you and understand where you're coming from and have your heart and your drive um, and are mission driven. That's tough. So the fact that we've been able to run into some good people, man, who really love our kids the way we are um, and, 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 and be able to provide something for them. Like we were able to save a lot of people, a lot of headache and heartache. Just, you know how it is just to trying to design a logo and a color and a mission. Right. Um, that's tough. And so many people waste a lot of time doing those things. And we've been able to save, you know, 13 years, you know, for a lot of for a lot of people. So we're really proud of that. What what um, 
anything stick out about the kids that, you know, maybe that you've seen that have come through the program and, and, and done better or people that maybe didn't come to the program? Mm. Any, any things that stick out in the kids that are in the same environment, mm. same situation, yeah. one goes left, one goes right? Yeah. Um, you do have that. You know, that's a reality. Like, um, you know, if a kid graduates and you again, our first goal being to graduate them from from high school. Um, the reality is that our world is still our world and the environments that they live in are toxic. And we do our absolute best, you know, to try to get them to go on the right paths. But I think that uh, when we talk about their mentality um, and the opportunities that are provided to them, like we basically are trying to just invest so much positivity, you know, to keep them on the right track. But I'm not going to lie and act like, you know, a couple still choose to go left. What we've learned is we got to continue to love on them. So there are people. Matter of fact, I texted one of my girls today who was one of the who's one of, in my first class of students. I text. She texts me about an opportunity for some people to work for the IRS. I always hit her back and say, you still go graduate, right? She's probably 26, 27 now. I'm staying on her, you know. So my thing is, man, when we when you come into our when you come into our world and into our lives, like we're not giving up. So just like I helped the young lady who who went to NASA and went to the Department of Defense and now just took this huge job in Dallas and we make sure she get to where she needs to get to. I'm still helping the student who still didn't finish school, you know, again, because you are mine, like you're ours. You know, we go take care of you. So um, that's where we at on it. man. What what things you think, you know, because it's a nonprofit, mm. but it's but it's it's a business. Absolutely. You have to be able to 100%, 100%. run a business. So you're, you're running a, a, a business. What, what what things, you know, from people quitting, yep. you know, staff people, yep. you know, possibly, I don't know. You know, I'm just going off my top. Absolutely. You know, people backstabbing, Absolutely. you know, you. Um, how do you get through those things? What advice do you give to somebody that's building a business on, yeah. on how to stay motivated? What things, how to handle some of these situations? Yeah. And then even what it takes from a work ethic standpoint. Yeah. You know, I, I, I know things are better now than they were 10 years ago, Definitely. you know, five years ago. Yeah. Um, but just like you say, I ain't going to, you know, I ain't going to front. I was even in the position that I'm in now with, you know, 16, 15 offices right. and a uh, couple businesses. It's still a grind. 100%. It's, it's still a, a point where if I let go too long of the steering wheel, I can see the car flying Absolutely. out of control. Um what does it take from a work ethic standpoint? What has it taken from you? What sacrifices have you made yeah. in order to make it happen? Yeah. Um, when I think uh, when I think about some of the things I've given up, um, when we talk about opportunities. I think that you know, being an African American male with a college degree and the amount of experience and expertise that I now have in this world, I'm getting pulled at all the time. So I'm always getting job offers. Come work for us. Come run this. Come do this. Oh, yeah, I did it. So at the end of the day, every day when I get up, I have to remind myself of my why, you know, and think about why I truly do this. And I think, again, no matter what business you're in, like we all have to stay connected to our why. When I think about my team and my staff, we always start our meetings with like what is inspiring minds to you and why are you involved? Why do you keep doing what you do? Because I think you you verbalizing that is your reminder. Not only is it your reminder, it also is a shout out to everybody that's connected and claims that they love you to hold you accountable to that. So don't forget when you get down and things are tough, you said that you were involved because it is. You said you did this because of that, you know, um, so they so that again, that's our accountability partners. Um, when I think about the, the the amount of work that it takes, it is uh, it is it's 24 seven. It's nonstop. So even when I rest and I sleep, that's I rest because of what I'm doing. Right. I eat because I need to eat to take care of my why and take care of what I'm doing. You know, I'm at the gym because I, even when you vacation, you know, and you take, you need that to recharge so you can come back and you can be right for your people and what you're trying to do. So everything has been wrapped around my why and, and you know, as far as what I'm doing, my mission. It's a lifestyle. 100%. So when you, when you say 24 seven, what do you, what do you mean by 
24-7. So I mean that. I think the mindset needs to be that way to be great. 100%. And, I mean, if you look at an Olympic athlete, you yeah. look at a successful <clears throat> business person, you look true. at somebody that's running a youth program and expanding that. I think the similarities are that 24-7 mm-hmm. mindset. I think that scares people. It does. To hear that. It but does. I, I feel like uh, it's a responsibility, you know, to people like you and me yeah. to let people know, you know, why, what the reality is. Yes. If you really, because otherwise you're lying to yourself and you're going to waste yeah. years of your life yeah, you wondering why you're not where you want to be because yeah. you don't get this concept. Yeah. And But then also not allowing that, the, the 24 seven to scare you yeah. because you can be more than that, but you have to wrap and be it has to be a part of who you are 100%. and what you do there's no 100% lines you have to be purpose driven so you can't just go out what happens is you it it people say the 24/7 scares them to me i think it's the responsibility that scares them it's the fact that you can't go out and just be stupid and dumb and young anymore it's the level of accountability that scares them that's what it is so um the thought of now um, not only taking care of my kids, but also having to take care of a team and a staff and a building. Like some people just don't want the responsibility. They don't want to admit what it is that they're actually scared of because of, like you said, they want the awards, they want the car, they want the money, they want the fame, they want to be in the front page of the paper. But do you truly want everything that comes along with that? So I feel like when we talk about 24 seven, it's literally about everything being for a purpose. So if you went out and you ate X, Y, and Z, why'd you eat that? If you went to X, Y, and Z, why'd you go there? When I think about everything I do, even the restaurants that I go to, I'm going there. Yeah, I'm going there to eat, but I'm also going there on purpose because this restaurant could potentially be a supporter, you know, or somebody that I'm trying to get next to eats there on Thursday. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Everything is on purpose. And I think that when you think truly, uh, when you think purposeful, when you think 24-7, um, you'll begin to think about all the different things you do in your life. And it just causes you to be responsible and realize that life is so much bigger than you. Amen. What what things, you know, if, if I'm starting a, uh, a nonprofit mm. or a business, what what things, if you're giving me advice, you know, I'm somebody starting out, would you say, look, man, I'm going to tell you this. These are three things I'm gonna tell you is you're gonna have as obstacles, yeah. no matter what it is in business or in, in, in starting a nonprofit. Uh, and here's here's a couple things. You know, I'm just using the number three. It could be yeah. whatever you want. Yeah. Here, here's three things that I could tell you if you if you follow these couple things. Yeah, it's gonna give you eighty percent of that path to putting you on the right track to, to what it is that you want to accomplish. Yeah. Can 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 you give me what the what the things are that pop into your mind? Um. Number one is uh, being mission driven, um, connecting everything to your mission. There's going to be some tough decisions you got to make, but I think you always have to make the best decision for your mission. For me, it's my kids, right? So no matter whether it, no matter what decision I am making, um, I have to lose sense of self and I always have to stay connected to the mission. Um, number two um, is going to be about emotional maturity. It's going to be about the ups and downs that are going to come with any business um, that you're going to have to mature and learn how to deal with. And uh, so from taking certain things personal, um, you know, to reacting negatively, to holding on to stuff, uh, you have to let a lot, a lot of that stuff is going to have to let go. You're going to have to eat a lot. You're going to have to bite your lip a lot, you know, uh, when, you know, especially when you're getting started up. Um, and number three, um, I had to learn that you can't grow by yourself. I spent a lot of my time in a lonely place and I've been, uh, very, uh, comfortable, you know, and being by myself, um, being quiet and kind of staying to the back and not saying much, but I realized that you can't, you can't grow without people. So your love for people and the love and investment that you put in others is what's going to help you grow. So learning how to, again, take pieces of you um, and teach people and love on people so that they and love them into where you need them to be, you know, so they can do the things you need them to do. So what when when, um, you know, closing out what if if you think of a couple days out of these 13 plus, you know, years. 
where you like, man, that was a grind. Mm. Like nobody saw this, nobody sees this, people don't get this. Yeah. But they just see the the kids getting help and graduating right. and all these things, these behind the scenes, right. you know, what, what are some of the, what does that look like when I mean, what do I mean by what does that look like? Like I could tell people, look, man, there's times that nobody knows I'll be on an airplane, hop off the airplane. As soon as I get off the airplane, I'm meeting with people that'll yeah. meet till 10, 11 o'clock. By the time I get to the hotel, yeah. get my bag set up, get my clothes, you know, hung up. Yeah. It's one thirty in the morning. Yeah. I got a meeting at eight o'clock in the morning. I'm back up at five yeah. so I could get a workout in, get my stuff ready, ready to rock to be there at eight. I run Absolutely. that all day. You know, this goes on for two, three days. Yeah. You know, like, like just give me That's a picture, real. give them a picture yeah. of what parts of building. Yeah. Cause the, the people will love the idea yeah. of having a nonprofit. Absolutely. They love the idea Absolutely. of what they want to do for other people. Yeah. But maybe give them a glimpse on what it takes in order to sustain and, and be great and, what type of grind that looks like? I mean, so I'm up at four, about 4.20. My alarm goes off. Um, I'm at the gym by 5.15. Uh, I'm home and have breakfast by 7 o'clock. I shower. Um, I'm on my first call by 8 o'clock. Um, from there, um, my team starts to come in around 9. So I spend the majority of my day figuring out stuff with my team. So I go to each department and work with people and help them through everything they got to go through. Along that time, you got parents calling, you got the school calling, you got this and that going on, you got a leak in the ceiling, you know. So you deal with all of that. Um, you try to figure out some time to eat, you know, and and, and, and take a quick breather. Um, you always have things that come up. Sometimes, you, you know, you unfortunately have to get rid of people. You might be hiring people. You just never know where you are in that process. Um, you got legal issues and things you got to deal with. Next thing you know, three o'clock come, the kids are showing up. Um, and when they show up, they're all lively, you know, and they need your love and your attention, everything else. You also got parents showing up. Like it goes on and on. It never ends. Average amount of hours in, in your work day. Oh my gosh. Now. At least 16. Hours a day. At least. At least. Because what happens is when all that's over, said and done, you get a call in the middle of the night about somebody who got stopped in some situation with the police, got kicked out the house, you know, um, unfortunately might be ready to hurt themselves, you know, and I got to get on a plane and go get them, you know, like it never, it never ends. And then these are all the things that, that happen on an everyday basis. And like you said, right, they see a photo in the in the in the paper or they see a check outing. you got right, yeah, right 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 and they don't know everything is taken to get there that's another thing you know with the, with the check you know and all of that stuff man it's, it's it's the amount of the amount of uh money <laughs> you know that it takes to you know i've become <sighs> i've become Max. a i've become a better giver yeah due to being involved yeah. in 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 the startup to yeah, where we're at yeah, now yeah, with inspire yeah, mind yeah. Youngstown. Cause now when I meet people that yeah. do this stuff, I'm like, bro, yeah. my God, mm -hmm. I know what you're going mm -hmm. through. I know, mm -hmm. I know what it took mm -hmm. to get to this moment mm -hmm. or, you know, miss, I, I, I know what type no of doubt. grind you're on right now. No and it's made me appreciate <clears throat> yes. that because, you know, I've seen, you know, a hundred grand sounds like a lot of money. <clears throat> That's why I hate doing them. Until all of a sudden you got kids to feed and you got, you know, try, try a hundred grand and split it between 40 kids exactly. and, and raising 40 kids there on a hundred grand. You, you know, to feed them, transport, you know, a transportation, you know, all of this other stuff. Tutoring so the, the, for the listeners out there, you know, just no matter where you're at in this world, yeah. you know, try to understand to, to give and be charitable to things that, mm -hmm. that you believe in and, and people that are on the right mission because mm -hmm. it ain't easy. Mm -hmm. it, it ain't easy. Mm -hmm. And it may seem like a lot, 100 grand, 200 grand. You see them get a check. But think about, you know, raising 30 kids on 200 grand with food transportation getting them you know to and from here college think about trips how much your own kid take right that's what i'm saying think about it right yeah and like so you imagine said, having 40 kids tell me about it hey, you know on you that. know yeah you know and we rocking we, i just left our programs uh, a little bit ago you know we got 350 so imagine like you say what it takes the team it takes the trans the how many buses we have to take like when we travel now we can't even take one bus anymore with our high school group because no they're too big Talk about being mission minded. You know, I think one of the most humbling things, 
you know, for me um, has been, you know, I, my part of my life, you know, I always in the back of my mind, I'm like, man, I, I want to be I want to be free. Mm. You know, I want I want to not have to ask, you know, in order for me to get one pair of tennis shoes, mm -hmm. my grandmother have to pitch in, my grandfather have to pitch in, my mom have to go to work. This right. part, I mean, just to get a, a pair of school shoes. Right. You know, I, I remember not, you know, going to Ursuline and not getting a report card, you know, because there was the tuition couldn't right. be paid, you right. know, type deal. And and I'm thinking, man, one day I'm going to put myself in a spot where I don't need to ask nobody for nothing. Absolutely. I don't need to beg anybody for nothing. Absolutely. And then I get to that point and I'm back to asking people yep. and begging people, Absolutely. you know, for, yeah, 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 for yeah, to yeah, come yeah. to this event. Absolutely. And, uh, and it, you know, but it helps when you're doing it for the kids and doing, doing it for doing it for somebody else, man. But but humbling was to hardest, go from that point to that point me. to come back and need to swallow your pride and ask people, you know, for things to, to support you. That was the hardest part for me. That was the hardest part because I refused to ask people for anything. And uh, to this day, that was the hardest part for me. And especially, and now what's tough is when someone does give you something, the level of expectation they now have of you, you know? So what I've had to, and I still to this day trying to figure it out is you give me something, right, to our kids. People take it personal, like they're giving it to you, not giving it to the mission. And in return, they want to pull you away from the mission, so, hey, I'll give you this, but you got to come do this, 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 that. And it's like still trying to paint the picture for people to get them to understand why it's important for them to give. And also don't pull the talent and the love away from our kids. Like keep the attention on the kids, you know. Been a big growth point, you know, for me, that stuff. Mm -hmm. Just uh, trying not to take it personal. Yeah. And uh, changing the, the, the heart, changing your heart. Yeah. Letting your heart get Absolutely. hardened. You Absolutely. know, with uh, people, yep. you know, and, and, yep. and uh, trying to be understanding that mm -hmm. it is what it is. You Absolutely. are where you are for a reason. And, and it is what it is, Facts. you know, and you got to roll with the punches. Let's let's close out with, um, you know, maybe telling us you know, <clears throat> the first five years building Inspiring Minds, Warren, mm -hmm. corporate mm -hmm. um, hours a week. Man. That was probably the most unhealthiest time of my life. I was probably sleeping on the average of three to four hours a day. Fact. I would drive an hour to go pick up five, a five dollar donation. Like straight grind, grind like that. Grind. Like, straight up. Yeah. I still pick up nickels and dimes. That's to what this nobody day, sees. Dog. They don't see that, dog. That's what that's, that's what nobody fact. sees. We used to check this out. Our first event, it was me and the kids sitting at a table, and I had my grandma bring me phone books, and we went through the phone books calling people. To ask for help for a week you know what i mean and having somebody one of the kids getting all excited ah, and that was the five dollars i went and picked up which was an hour away no doubt. you know what i mean so yeah it's all of that so you talk you know the first five years one of the most unhealthiest points in oh, your life three four hours right grinding not eating right, right. Nah. now 13 years in more healthy yes you look good you're on it yeah uh but there's still a level of grind that Absolutely. comes with it the grind what is you, just different what do you think it takes yeah. to maintain yeah once you've gotten somewhere in business or in life or whatever what levels of work ethic do you feel a person should still maintain yeah and expect to have that quote balance that everybody's looking for yeah um well first thing is this i think when people think of the word balance they think of equal I say the same thing right? all the time. But balance is when you're on one foot. You know what I'm saying? You're balancing yourself. So it ain't equal. You know what I mean? So we got to get that out of our mind that the perception of being balanced is 50-50. That's not true. It just means can you still stand up? How are you going to continue to stand up? So how are you going to continue to have your family stand up? You know what I mean? Your personal life stand up and your business stand up. Um, so it's figuring out what it's going to take. And a lot of that is first starting with you. You know, internally, mentally, spiritually, um, all of those things like you have to learn. And I had to learn that how to how do you take care of yourself and put yourself in the position because you are the machine, you know, as a leader, you know, and, and you are exemplifying what you want all your people. You got to be a walking and living example of what you want to see. So I have to take care of myself physically, mentally. I have to take care of my I got to I got to also take care of myself um, as far as my sleep, financially, everything, because I have to be an example. Truth. And then I'm teaching that to my people who are next to me. 
how you and and they'll all tell you i'm always saying how your finances how your health how your mind how your heart you know what i mean that's important to me what you eating i don't all my meetings i always have fresh fruit everything i'm always putting them on a new game because i because in order for our program to be at its best i need all our people to be at their best amen amen close out talking about stress and Mm. finances so you talk about how's your finances. Yeah. Can you give somebody some tips? You know, I know people that that make a hundred grand a year mm-hmm. that got more assets, yeah. more things in their life than people that make five hundred thousand a year, right. eight hundred thousand dollars a year. Yeah. Talk to talk to the listeners yeah. about you know what do you think it means to be financially disciplined? Yeah. You know, when you say how are your finances? What tips would you give people financially? Yeah. And then you know how do you handle the inevitable stress? that comes with the grind mm-hmm. and doing what it takes in order to, to make things go around. There's, Absolutely. there's levels of stress that happen no matter what, you know, keeping it all the way real. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like we ain't, you're it's a human or men, yep. we ain't Superman. So mm-hmm. there's, there, you just don't show it right. like others, but right. I know you're going to feel it. You 100%. just don't show it. 100%. And so, so, you know, what tips do you have on handling stress? What tips do you have on being, you know, financially sound? Yeah. So when it, when it comes to, let's start with stress first. Um, I think that's first starting out with being, uh, being real with yourself and understanding who's around you. So again, I'm not going to sit here and say like, oh, you ain't allowed to show stress. You ain't allowed to show who, who whatever, you know, that you're going through anything. I think in leadership, it's about recognizing the people who you can, who you can cry to, but also recognizing the people who you also have to be strong for. It's recognizing who those are, you know, when it comes to stress, it just is what it is. Um, so and, and, and then finding out a positive, a positive way of dealing with it. For me, it's the gym. Some people need to go get a burger. Got to get it. Right. Got to get some the people got to do whatever. Like, that's me. Yep. I got to I need the gym. Yep. You know, what I mean, for yep. my strength and yep. my stress relief. Yep. Let's go to finances. Um, when it comes to finances, the first thing I will say is educate yourself. Always continue to learn. And then the second piece is this. A lot of people who aren't uh, financially successful are because they don't plan. They just live. I think when you have a plan and you're like, okay, this is my budget. This is how much I can spend. This is how much I can play with. This is how much I'm going to save because this is where I'm trying to get to. No matter whether you're making $5,000 a year or $500,000 a year, you'll begin to see growth and success. Discipline. Facts. Discipline to it. Facts. Well, I appreciate uh, having you on. Thanks for uh, thanks for the process that you put in to uh, allow me to be a part of uh, Inspire Minds and open up Inspire Minds, which was uh, a dream, you know, of, of mine to be able mm-hmm. to impact. Absolutely. Uh, so thank you for paving the way. Thank you for the opportunity. Thanks for being here. Keep hustling. Keep on grinding. Keep inspiring other people's minds, brother. Appreciate you, Derek. Oh, man. Let's thank you it. for the opportunity. Thanks for believing in our work. Amen. All right, boss. Get it. Count money, man. Money, Stack man. riches. Fine, fine, told, try and told him I'm a beast, bud.